We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is going on, everybody? It is Tuesday night here on the OBR Streaming Network, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the Garage Beers Podcast. Welcome on in to episode number 167. I'm your host, Michael Keith. Joining me tonight in the garage of the boys, first of all, over on the east side of Cleveland, go follow him online at Garage Beers Chat. It's Chad Meyer. What's up, Chad? I, I love playing. I love the five-minute video because I always get to play a little game called "Is Joey going to be there when they when we go live?" <laughs> <laughs> like, Man, like, it's wild! Oh, how the tables have turned, my guy! How <laughs> the turntables? Yeah, how um, the turntables have tided her, something like that. Uh, boys, two quick things. Um, I, I come to you tonight. Uh, I sit here tonight before you, an ashamed man. Okay, so what's be- different about any because, other? Uh, well, it's oh, okay. A little bit extra. Uh, because I've always claimed to be a big Indiana Jones fan, Ooh. right? And I am, I, I love the last crusade. I would sit down and watch last crusade at, at, at any moment, at any moment. Right. Uh, and I've seen temple of doom as well, but I realized I never watched Raiders of the lost Ark what? ever, ever. Yeah. I, I went on to Disney plus and it was like, Oh, here's the Indiana Jones collection and like Raiders of the lost Ark. And I went, have I seen that? Nope. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. So okay. I'm not as bad. It turns out I'm not as big of an Indiana Jones fan as I thought I was. All right. I will say I always liked Temple of Doom more than I liked Raiders. Yeah. I, but Raiders had some classic moments, man. That guy, that guy just melting. <laughs> yeah. Great yeah. moment. And then uh, the other thing, boys, I'm stoked because I go to Alaska in July, right? Just booked a tea time in Alaska, right? Wow. I'm going golfing in Anchorage. But the wow. tea time? The tea time, 9.35 in the p.m. I'm oh, so yeah. excited. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> what is it, so is it going to be like one hour of darkness? And yeah. It? It, yeah. Apparently at this time of year, it is. It's like an hour and a half, two hours of darkness. So it's just I'm going to be all messed up. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to post pics on Facebook and it's like, oh, it's it's one in the morning and I'm on, on the 17th. That'd be weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he's already talked a little bit, but our other co-host, down there in Nashville, Tennessee, it's Joey Whalen. What's up, Joe? Hi. Hey. I have talked a little bit. Good to see you. I'm, I'm off. I'm on like a 10-day work week, so I'm I'm here. 
I got bourbon tonight, though. I, I realized uh, we're not going to jump into beers yet, but I, I have had the same ride beer for the past month, and I was about to have it again. There's one open downstairs. Uh, a little bourbon tonight. So. We call that we're... pulling a Chad. We call that pulling a Chad. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I've right. grocery stop since, like, March. Yeah. We're fine. <laughs> So listen, a couple uh, just procedural things. First of all, if you're joining us live here tonight, welcome. If you are joining us on Twitch or YouTube, jump in the comments, jump in the chat, be a part of the show. You guys have a little fun behind the scenes as well. If you are joining us via the Twitter page on uh, at the Garage Beers on Twitter, that's awesome. We love having you. Just remember, if you do any comments or anything, we can't see it. So if you want to be a part of the show, if you want your comments to be seen, jump over to Twitch, jump over to YouTube. Uh, and watch us live on the OBR streaming network, uh, and you can be a part of the show as well. We have got a great show planned here. Episode 167 is going to be awesome. Very excited. A little bit later, we are going to, uh, we've got two special guests on the show. We're going to bring our first one on in just a minute here. But a little bit later, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had one of the Browns, the members of the Browns' initial 1999 inaugural draft class uh, from their expansion season, we had Wally Rayner on. We've got another one coming on with us tonight. That's going to happen about 10 o'clock. Uh, but we've got Darren Cheverini, man. If you remember Darren Cheverini, a guy who I think a little bit was ahead of his time. I'm excited to talk to him about that. Because, like, if he came into the league like 10 years later, I think he would have made a hell of a name for himself. Uh, but Darren Cheverini joining us to talk a little bit football, a little bit about his time with the Browns and his coaching career is what we got going on now. So, Hang out for that later, but first, we've got our first special guest. And man, the timing for this could not have gone better, guys. The timing for this could not have gone better. The Blue Jackets are in the midst of just dropping bombs on the NHL right now. Just dropping bombs. There's news left and right. There's coaching news. There's trades that are happening. All kinds of stuff going on in Blue Jackets' world. And I'm really excited to have this guy on because I feel like he's one of the the last bastions of guys that we haven't had on. We've had his, his <laughs> yeah, buddies on. Really We've had a whole bunch of guys that cover the jackets and we haven't had this guy on. So I'm going to bring him in right now. He is a host. He hosts podcasts for them. He's a radio host for them. He's kind of a Mr. Do it. Everything It's Dylan tire Dylan for the first time. Welcome into the garage beers podcast. Thanks very much, guys. I appreciate you having me. It's nice to meet all you guys for the first time as well. This, uh, this should be fun. Yeah. This feels like a long time coming. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know you guys. The, uh, have, uh, you you guys have been very good to the Blue Jackets and had a lot of different people from uh, the CBJ on your show. So I, I'm happy to be able to join. Yeah, for all the times that we've interacted, as far as like, because Dylan kills it. You and Swoboda, man, you guys kill it with the Twitter Spaces. <laughs> it's awesome. We love listening to him, and that's like the only time we have like interacted. Uh, Boomer here loves the Pipeline podcast. Again, that's your work there. So shout out to you, Dylan. But, like, it's great to actually look at you face-to-face -face and have you on the show. So thank you for coming thank on you. with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. It is, it is good to be seen. Most of everything that I do is – well, I do do some on-camera stuff for the Blue Jackets, but most everything I do is audio, so it's good to be seen. And most of the people that watch this show wish that all the stuff that we did was audio. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's great. Uh, all right, so, Dylan, before we get – and, again, this can create an awkward moment, but we don't need to make it awkward because we just don't know. We don't know. One of the first things we usually do is our Garage Beers of the Week, though, because it is the Garage Beers podcast. Are you the type – did you bring – are you the type that, first of all, drinks a beer? Because, again, I don't want to assume anything. And did you bring one? 
All, all you got to do is ask uh, the Jackets Insider. He and I love to enjoy a few. So, yes, I'm, I'm a guy that, that likes to drink a beer, and I brought one of my favorite beers, I Love You Buy, from Saucy Brewworks. I live right next to the Saucy in Columbus, so I've had it many times. Excellent choice. That brings up a great story. Chad scared the shit out of me this week because Saucy Brewworks has a location in Detroit. Okay. And they closed it. But their Cleveland location, which is their first location, which is a place that I go all the time, is on Detroit Road. <laughs> yeah. And so Chad was like, oh, oh. Saucy's closing down their, their Detroit location. And I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah. That's like their headquarters. And I had zero idea that they had one in Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> uh, so good That's news. Hilarious. They're still open in Cleveland. If yeah. you live in Detroit, just come hang out in Cleveland. Saucy, great place and great food. Uh, so shout yep. out to Saucy and shout out to you, Dylan. Good beer choice. Uh, all right, Joe, we know you're drinking bourbon. So what kind of, what's the flavor? Drinking the bourbon. Uh, it wasn't clear out the, uh, the pantry kind of night, but it's a really good bourbon. It's Jefferson's Jefferson's ocean H and C. This is the one I think that they barrel the bottles and put them on a ship and they're literally aged in the ocean. Uh, nice. very good. It's delicious. I love this I love one. Love it. All right. Joe's drinking garage bourbons. Always okay. Always okay. What about you, Chad? What's the beer tonight? Well, you guys know I'm uh, quite the seasonal beer guy. Uh, and I'm really excited about this one. I had it once and I just, I had to go seek it out. I, I forget what the bar I had it at, but anyway, it's uh, thirsty dog and it's the black cherry Shandy. It is uh, like refreshing. I, I could crush probably about 50 of these on a hot summer day. Uh, and yeah, I rec highly recommend it if you're looking for a good summer beer, man. Thirsty Dog Black Cherry Shandy. Yeah, love that. Uh, and then, as you can tell, I'm back here in a, a gorgeous Double Tree Hotel because that's all I do is live in these places. Uh, but I'm back in the D.C. area. I'm in Maryland. And so I wanted to I don't even know if this is a local beer, to be honest. I just it was with other local beers. And now I don't even see the dang name of the brewery. It's Great Nation Brewing in Barrel House, which is from Portland. So it's not even local. That's great. But nice. I grabbed this hazy IPA. It's called Love and Ritual. I just thought the can was cool. Yeah, that is a so pretty good looking can there. Right. From Portland, Very Oregon. Cool. I mean, the can art's half the battle here when you're talking beer. So Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Love and Ritual. And it's a delicious beer. 7% from Portland, Oregon. Again, the brewery is Great Nation Brewing uh, and Barrel House. Uh, so our great notion i'm reading it wrong the glasses don't work great notion check it out if you ever see it check it out it's pretty good beer so those are our garage beers slash bourbons of the week uh dylan thanks for joining us if you're having something and you're joining us in the comments jump in tell us what you're drinking tonight and uh we'll pop you up on the screen but otherwise dylan gosh kind man. of a lot's happened since we talked monday huh <laughs> I think a lot's happened since I sent you a link this morning. Yeah. Yeah. For the show. Yeah. A lot, a lot has. That's for sure. So let's start with the timeliness uh, because th there was already a lot to talk about. I mean, we're, we're, we're coming up. We're like a month away from the draft. Uh, uh, so there's that to talk about. We obviously have the coaching search and, and still nothing finalized, but it, I mean, it's kind of heading a direction. <laughs> so there's that to talk about, but then I'm sitting here today. And all of a sudden, my phone just going, buzz, 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 buzz. I'm sure you were getting it too. Uh, the Blue Jackets decide to jump in early, and they go aggressive early. The finals are still going on. The Blue Jackets go aggressive early. They become part of a three-team deal uh, with the Kings and the Flyers. 
Uh, and the main part of that deal is that Ivan Provorov from the Flyers, the defenseman, is going to be making his way for the next couple of years at least over to the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Jackets, for their side of things, get rid of a the Kings first rounder from this year that they acquired in the Gavrikov trade uh, and uh, uh, a conditional 20, uh, second round pick from 24 or 25. So that's what the Jackets got rid of. To bring in a guy like Provorov, uh, Dylan, let's start with you, man. And, I, and, and Chad, I want to hear you and Joe and everybody. But like your initial reaction when you saw this trade, both on what it means for the Jackets, but the timeliness uh, and what it says about the level of aggression we should expect from well, yeah. from Yarmo this year. Yeah, I mean, you can tell that I, I think Yarmo Kekalainen is, is obviously kind of putting his foot in the ground here and saying, I'm changing the way that this team looks, right? Uh there's first of all the head coaching rumors that are out there obviously we don't know for sure that that Mike Babcock will be the Blue Jackets coach but it does sound like that so first and foremost you have that which is a culture change with the Blue Jackets and Yarmo made that very very evident um, in that press conference where it was announced that Brad Larson wouldn't be returning to the Blue Jackets this year Yarmo was very very clear that he wanted to change the culture this season um, as far as, you know, getting in the mix and making a trade this early, that's pretty crazy as well. I was very, very surprised when I heard it was happening because, you know, you, you don't think about trades happening during the Stanley cup final, you know, and at this <laughs> point, only teams that are out of the playoffs can trade with each other, you know? Um, so it's very, very intriguing. I think all along, I suspected the blue jackets would move that 22nd overall pick from LA. I think Yarmo made that abundantly clear pretty much right after sending Vladislav Gavrikov and Jonas Corposalo to Los Angeles. He said, you know, the, the phone lines are open. Give me a call because this 22nd overall pick could certainly be in play. You know, on my podcast, I obviously talked about it. I've talked about it with a few different people, maybe options that the Blue Jackets would have had at 22nd overall, but all along, I suspected they would move that pick. Now, did I think they would move it this early? Probably not. I honestly kind of hope that they moved it at the draft because that would have just been absolute chaos and would have been a ton of fun. But they get this piece of work done early. Um you know, you, you may think, you know, trading a first round pick is is a huge, huge deal. I think it does kind of vary sport to sport, right? Like a first round pick in some sports is maybe more valuable than a first round pick in others. Like, for example, in the NFL, first round picks are like gold. I would yeah. say first round picks are valuable in the National Hockey League, but more of the late first round picks are certainly flyers, I would say, on guys more so right. than sure things like you're hoping the third overall pick is going to be for the Blue Jackets. Yeah. But, you know, you look at the some of the details in the deal, the salary retention for Ivan Provorov. And don't forget, Ivan Provorov was selected one pick ahead of Zach Wierenski back in 2015. And, right. you know, he's had some really good seasons in the NHL. It has been down for him the past couple of years. I would probably say he's the type of player that maybe a change of scenery is going to do him some good. But you really look at what the Blue Jackets are building on the blue line and you add a player like Provorov who's who's young and can do a lot of things when he's playing his best. I like what the Blue Jackets are building on the back end. I'm I'm not going to lie to you. Just all the young players that they have coming through the system right now and then to be able to go one, two, Zach Wierenski and Ivan Provorov in all likelihood on the left side, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And, you know, like I said, Provorov is maybe had some down years the last couple, but 
I really liked his game when he came into the NHL. This is a guy who's played a lot of NHL games. He's got lots of experience. He's, he's a solid hockey player. And if he's able to play with a, you know, a good partner and he's able to play in a good system with the blue jackets, I, I really, I, I like the deal. I do. It's an aggressive deal. It's a big swing made by Yarmo Kekalainen, but I like it. And the salary salary retention makes it, I yeah. think, uh, uh, if it turns out to be that Ivan Provorov is back to his old form and is playing like he is, you know, a, a 1A or a 1B defenseman in the National Hockey League, you're paying the guy $4.75 million a season, essentially. You know, that's that's pretty darn good. So if that works out, I think this will be a very, very big win for the Blue Jackets. Now, slightly off topic here. I mean, you talked about, you know, late first round picks, you know, in the NHL are, are, are typically flyers. So wh- why would that be, you know, attractive to a team that's looking to you know, maybe, you know, dumping salary or trying to move on or trying to rebuild? Why would why would that sort of be you know, why would that be attractive to a team uh, getting a late first round pick that might not be a guarantee that they're looking to, you know, get. Uh, great young talent in instead of uh, guys who might uh, turn into something. Yeah. Maybe I should step back and not necessarily say a flyer, but a guy that you're not thinking is going to be a, you know, first line player for you, maybe more of a second or third line player. And in some cases it is a flyer, but well, this is actually pun intended because we're talking about the Philadelphia Flyers. (laughs) And and that's exactly what they're doing. (laughs) They're, they're trying to, Well, the Philadelphia Flyers are trying to compile draft picks, right? Like that's what they're trying to do in this situation. They're trying to rebuild. They get, you know, Ivan Provorov out of there. They get these picks in return. Um, So, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? They want as many swings as as they can. They want as many kicks at the can as they can get. And this year's draft in specific, everybody that I've talked to at 20, you know, the 15 to 20 range in this year's draft, you're probably going to get a player that's a top 10 talent in most other years. That's just how deep this year's draft is. So a guy that's going to go between 20 and 25, maybe is going 10 to 15 in another year. So it's certainly a good year to be compiling first round picks. And um, that's what Philadelphia is trying to do in this instance, right? You know, there's some salary dumping from both teams there, the LA Kings, um, the, the Flyers are obviously trying to get uh, Ivan Provorov into a new situation and, and they get some picks in the process. So they're a team that's rebuilding. It's very, very clear. Obvi- they're, the yeah. rumors today about Carter Hart potentially being traded as well. Danny Breer, their new GM, is tearing it down, it looks like there. They're trying yeah. to to do, I would. I don't necessarily know if it's going to be a full, full-on rebuild, but at least a reset like Yarmo Kekalainen did with the Blue Jackets a couple of years ago. So in doing so, you just got to compile as many picks as you can. And, you know, you look at some of the players that the Blue Jackets have selected, maybe in that range, like last year, selecting Denton Matejchuk at 12th overall is is yeah. certainly higher than 22nd overall. But again, with the depth of this year's draft class, maybe it's a different story. But you look at what the Blue Jackets did with the second pick um, or their second first round pick last year. You sure. look at what they did with their second and third first round picks in 2021, getting Cole yeah. Sillinger and Corson Kuhlemans, who, of course, everybody knows about Cole Sillinger, but Corson Kuhlemans is playing in Cleveland right now. So, you know, you can get some serious talent late in the first round. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, like I said, I like the deal for the Blue Jackets. I think it's a smart swing. It's sure. it's worth the risk, given that Ivan Provorov is a proven NHL defenseman. And if he can regain that, you know, 1A or 1B defenseman form, again, it's going to be a boon for the Blue Jackets, I think. Sure. So we've kind of talked about, oh, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, it's interesting too. I mean, just the trajectory of the team over the past 
you know, two or three years where, you know, two years ago, we thought we were going to a massive rebuild. The team overperformed and did fantastic that year. This year did not share the same sentiment, obviously. Um, But you don't know where you're going to go in that direction. You just signed Johnny Goudreau. Like, you had a lot of injuries. So it's like, are we going to strip it down one more year? Are we going to try to push for something and and be relevant? And and you're not trading away draft picks if you're looking to strip it down and rebuild. So it's, it's it's an interesting statement for sure. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that's part of the statement that's being made where it's like maybe signing Johnny Gaudreau did accelerate that process a little bit last summer in that, you know, the Blue Jackets have young pieces, but they also have some older pieces, mm-hmm. a player like Johnny Gaudreau, even a player like Zach Wierenski at this point, that's 26, yeah. 27 years old. And you bring Ivan Provorov into that mix, but a team that I really admire and that I really like the way that they're built structurally is the Dallas stars. They have some Mm -hmm. serious veterans on their team that are solid hockey players. They have some medium to younger age veterans on their team that are serious players. And then they have some young guys like a Wyatt Johnston or Thomas Harley that are just coming into the league right now that are really, really good. That means their windows open for a long time. Like the, the right. Dallas stars went to the Stanley cup final, not too long ago now, and they've been knocking at the door ever since. So, you know, if the blue jackets are doing something similar, and I think I've drawn this comparison before on some of the, the chats on the skate space that Jeff and I do is that, you know, if the blue jackets can keep their window open and maybe they're trying to peak that window open a little bit earlier than we previously thought by acquiring a player like Johnny Gaudreau, by acquiring a player like Sean Corrali a couple years ago, now by acquiring a player like Ivan Provorov. Maybe that's what they do. And I mean, the hope is that they compete this year and they're in the playoffs this year. And then you add, you know, guys that are in the pipeline right now, or maybe they use some of those players to acquire other players. And of course they have the third overall pick in a draft in which maybe the top four or five guys in this draft would be the number one overall pick any other year. So you're adding that player as well. So I, I, I I like, I, like I said, I like it. I think it makes sense for what they're trying to do. So So talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we've talked about Wierenski and Provorov now, obviously kind of being one and two there. Uh, but what is the what does that top four look like? Uh, it, it, ideally, for you, Dylan, what's the top four? You know, the t- the top two defensive lines look like for you. Uh, do we think those guys are on the roster right now? Could yeah, we see would, one, could we see a young guy? Could we see a guy like Yurichek be a guy that they start leaning on? Or what, what's that look like heading into the season? Do you think it is very interesting? I was talking to somebody about this on the golf course a little bit earlier today. I hopped off the golf course before I came and, and chatted with you guys. And I asked the exact same question. I, I said, you know, I was talking the person I was talking to is knowledgeable about hockey, knowledgeable about the blue jackets. And I said, who do you think plays in the top four with Provorov next year? Do you think it's somebody on the roster right now? Or do you think it's somebody they go out and get? You know, there are pieces and they have plenty of right shot defensemen right now that could fill that role. You know, if I if I had to guess in in my perfect scenario, I would probably say, you know, Zach Wierenski, David Juracek up top. Um, and then in that second pair, you would see probably Provorov and and hopefully Adam Boquist, because I think Boquist did take a big big step in the second half of last season and his skill set is that of a top four defenseman, at least offensively. So if Ivan Provorov can maybe pick up some of the defensive work there, but still chip in and, and be a good two-way defenseman, that could potentially work. And then you maybe look at some of the other options there. Could it be an Andrew Peak 
on the right side playing with a player like Ivan Provorov, where Peak is the guy who's more defensively responsible and Provorov is the guy that's more of the rover like Zach Wierenski is. So there are big ifs. There are big ifs, certainly. Um, and with whoever the new coach is coming in, all of these players are going to have to prove themselves. It's it's a little bit interesting for some of these young players because they're going to have to have big training camps. This training camp is very, very important for a number of players, including the veterans on this team, right? But you look at a player like David Juracek, who was excellent in the American Hockey League last season as one of the youngest players in that league. Yeah. Um, and, and you say, okay, yeah, he's going to be on the Blue Jackets next year. But who's to say? You know, maybe he's not quite ready in training camp. We saw that with Kirill Marchenko this past season, where he wasn't quite ready in training camp. The year before, we saw a guy who was 28 years old, I think, at the time, and Justin Danforth coming over to the NHL for the first time. Right. And he wasn't, wasn't quite ready at the beginning of the season and turned out to be a nice piece for the Blue Jackets by the end. So that's a long way of saying David Yurichek might not be on the team to start the season. I th- I'd like to think that he will be on the team to start the season. And if so, I think the plan all along, the moment David Yurichek was drafted at sixth overall, you're slotting him in next to Zach Wierenski, right? That's yes, a, a right. very formidable yeah. first pair. And assuming David Juracek continues on the trajectory that that he's on right now, he might be a better defenseman than Zach Wierenski is. So we'll see. There we go. Uh, last thing I kind of want to touch on with Provorov here, Dylan. You know, you, you said you, you talked a bunch about how you think it's a smart swing. You think you love the trade and, you know, you love some of the things that he does. You know, I know we don't have a coach yet, so we don't know the system that he's playing in. But what what is it what is it like uh, what is it about his game is there like one or two things that he brings you think that the jackets more might have been lacking last year like what is it about his game I mean he's left-handed shot defenseman he's got some size to him he's I think he's like 6'1 202 pounds something like that you know what are what are the things about his game that you like that you see as a, a good fit for the jackets well, first and foremost, I think you, you kind of go back and look at some of the analytics because it's hard when you're not watching a guy every day to say, how good is this guy defensively? And the analytics the last couple of seasons for Provorov haven't necessarily been kind when it comes to the offense or the defense. But you look at the situation that he's playing in and so many players' situations or, or the analytics and the numbers, they're dictated by the situation they're playing in. Philadelphia Flyers have been a little bit of a mess for the last couple of seasons, right? Struggling with their identity. Uh, Obviously, they hire a new coach in John Tortorella last year. They're trying to figure things out, but the product on the ice wasn't very good. So I I go back to, you know, Ivan Provorov's rookie season, the couple of years after that, the numbers across the board are very good, analytically, both offensively and defensively. So if you can get him into that situation where he's playing with the right players, he's playing in you know a a structure that works for him which i i fully believe the new coaching staff for the blue jackets is going to be very very well structured it's going to be more organized out on the ice i think that was an issue for the team last season that guys were just struggling throughout the year knowing where to be and in coverages and that sort of thing they talked about it all year long that yeah whatever reason they were they were struggling with that but you just look at the offensive ability of ivan provorov and you look at what he can do defensively like I mean, for me, he's not too unlike Zach Wierenski. Like, they, yeah. they kind of do similar things. Zach Wierenski is maybe I, – I shouldn't even say this because Ivan Provorov score, has scored a lot of goals. I think he's got the 17th, uh, 17th among NHL defensemen in goal scoring since he came into the league, and yeah. that's with a couple of down years these past couple of seasons. So 
I would say at his best, Ivan Provorov is a very, very solid two-way defenseman, and that's what I like about him because the Blue Jackets need more of that, more puck movers, more yes. guys that can defend. You can see sure. it. And there's a hole. There's a hole on the left side with no Vladislav Gavrikov where, you know, maybe Vladislav Gavrikov is known as a little bit more stout of a defender than Ivan Provorov, but is that necessarily true? I suppose we'll see when it comes down to it, right? And Provorov certainly has more offensive upside and more upside as a puck-moving defenseman than Vladislav Gavrikov does. So one of your one of your colleagues down there in Columbus that covers the team, Mark Scheig, uh, is that how you say his last name? Because yep. I just read it on Twitter all the time, and then I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to actually say this. That's what I was going to go with. <laughs> one of those uh, tough words. He had yeah. a great tweet, and you brought this up before. With with the fact that some of the salary is going to get eaten for Provorov here, the Blue Jackets are going to owe him four point seven two five million over the next couple each year over the next couple of years. So that leaves the Jackets with a decent amount of, of wiggle room here. And he tweeted about it and it got me kind of excited. And so I'm interested to hear kind of your thoughts here, Dylan, as far as like, where do they go from here? Because they've got basically $12 million of cap space to work with here. Uh, where do you see them applying this? Because again, the moves that they're making right now seem to suggest that there is no retooling or rebuilding or whatever. It's time to go out and win hockey games. So how do you think they spend that $12 million? Yeah, What's the I, ideal way? Yeah, I think the way that they've got the money parsed out right now is is pretty good. I'm always in the back of my head, you know, leery of keeping a little bit of money around for signing guys to contract extensions. And, and those guys yeah. in this situation that I'm talking about are Ken Johnson and Kirill Marchenko. So do you use some of that $12 million to try and extend those guys? How much of that? Um, gets taken up but depending on how much you have left you could potentially add another defenseman to really shore up this group of d-man of course you can still make trades to move money out and i think the blue jackets would certainly love to add something down the middle right that's something that this team has wanted for a long time so i don't know if that's somebody in the top six i don't know if that's somebody in the middle six but if they have the ability to add another centerman to this team or even another you know 50 60 point winger a guy that's kind of depth scoring uh i think that would go a long way but the way the roster is constructed right now and you look at the way things shake out you have kirill marchenko and patrick line who are going to score you a lot of goals you have johnny gaudreau and kent johnson who are going to offer a lot of assists and chip in with goal scoring um you have some intriguing pieces beyond that on the wing and alexander texier coming back uh, we'll see more of Igor Chinikov this season, obviously, because he was hurt towards the end of last year. Um, right. But I, I think everybody knows that the weakness for the Blue Jackets for a while now has been that center ice position. So yeah. hopefully Cole Fillinger yeah. uh, takes another step next season. Boone Jenner, I think, did an admirable job serving as the Blue Jackets kind of de facto number one center this year. But I think in a perfect world, he's maybe be, maybe your number two center or maybe your number yeah. three center or maybe even moving back to the wing. Um, but I think last year he proved that he could play that center ice position and be pretty effective. But uh, I think you want to, I think you want to add another, uh, a, a, a center to this roster. It's going to be hard to acquire a top six center. I, I don't think any are available really via free agency, more of a middle six guy potentially there, but I think the blue jackets keep swinging. I would not be surprised to see, to see them make more trades. They have a glut of wingers on this team. If they continue to add defensemen, they're going to have a glut of defensemen. And don't forget, as I mentioned before, there's still the possibility that they trade not just draft capital, but 
prospect capital because they do have one of the best systems in the National Hockey League with a lot of highly touted prospects. Or we can just rock, paper, scissors it with Anaheim just to switch for number two and three. Yeah, that's I mean, something like that. Right? We should be cool right. with that. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. I know a lot of Blue Jackets fans out there are hoping that Pat Verbeek uh, had a, has a tough decision to make after the World Championships deciding between Leo Carlson and Adam Fantilli at two. Like, oh, I got plenty of centers. Ah, you know what? You can have them. You can have them. You're right, right, right. That's totally going to happen. That's totally going to happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, to, to kind of wrap up the talk, and this is going to kind of transition us into the next thing. This trade day, even though it fills what we all would perceive as a, a large hole uh, on the team, and, and, and frankly, just defending and not giving up a bunch of goals, team's got to get it figured out. It yeah. was not universally celebrated uh, yeah. because there's a little baggage that comes with this guy. Not that I like personally. I don't, uh, it's not my favorite thing that he did, but he didn't do anything too crazy. He, in, in the, in, in, in terms of like, he didn't like beat up a police officer or something like that. But again, he was the guy that started the entire controversy when the flyers were doing pride night there in Philly and he wouldn't dress for it. He wouldn't wear their Mm -hmm. like warm up Jersey. And he decided to sit that out. And so again, there's a lot of people Yarmo has said it over and over and over. He said it with us last year when we had him on character, such a huge part of what he's doing. Uh, how is Columbus? How, Hey, how do you feel like the fans handle it? And how do they, what does that say? Does it say anything or does it, is it just more media blown up? Uh, does it say anything about uh, how Yarmo is approaching things? Because this is a guy that has shown that like, He's going to, he's going to do what he wants to do. And, and even if it's not popular, if it's not, a, it's, he's going to do what he wants to do. And that's going to be it. Uh, it caused a big disruption uh, in Philly. I don't know. Is, is there any thought to that in bringing him in here? Or is it just like, you know what, that was a thing there. We'll deal with it if it happens here. Yeah. I think Aaron Portsline might've asked Yarmo about that earlier today. And, and Yarmo said something along the lines of, you know, we respect his individual, you know, right and individual opinion, but um, that's, you know, you, you get that individual right, obviously. And, you know, I'm sure the Blue Jackets did their due diligence on the situation, right? If if Ivan Provorov were a serious issue in the locker room or anything like that, then we'd be we'd be talking in different senses. Now, do I agree with with his stance on on this? No, I don't. But he is entitled to that to that opinion. And I mean, when it comes down to it, I, I don't think it it should be a tremendous issue, you know, within the team or within the locker room. I'm not going to question Ivan Provorov's character or anything like that because I've never met him before and I've right. never worked with him before. So, you know, obviously the optics of the situation at the time were not terrific, um, but I guess I'll just kind of leave it at that because, yeah. again, I, I don't necessarily agree with it but he does have the right to the opinion, right? And I think that's essentially what Yarmo came out and said about it today. Now, speaking of little character questions, let's transition. Uh, let's transition into the, the rumor that <laughs> is setting the world on fire here, that it seems like it's going to happen, but again, until pen hits paper, we can't officially say. But... Man, the report comes out that Mike Babcock is the number one choice for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and he's the guy that they're going to choose to 
take the helm of this team and move them forward. Here's what I'm going to start with, because we can get into the other stuff in a minute, but I want to objectively look at Mike Babcock, the hockey coach, right? Mm -hmm. And so to look at Mike Babcock, the hockey coach, we're talking, let's start with stats, right? What 18 NHL seasons, his team has made the playoffs in 15 of 18. Uh, he's a Stanley cup winning head coach. He's been to the finals on multiple occasions. Uh, it, it, if things were to stand now, I think other guys are going to get coaching jobs, but 700 wins in the NHL, which would rank him right now, 12th of all time. And he'd be like top four in the league right now. This is a guy that wins hockey games. And he's won ever from, from Anaheim to Detroit, from Detroit to Toronto, he won hockey games. And so before we get into why he's not coaching right now, Let's talk about the guy that's the coach. I mean, your thoughts, Dylan, when you when you hear the Blue Jackets are going to make Mike Babcock, or potentially you're going to make Mike, ba Mike Babcock the next head coach. Well, I think, and obviously, you know, I don't know if this is actually the case. Sportsnet came out and said that they confirmed that this is the Blue Jackets' intent, so I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about it, yada, yada, <laughs> yada. But I, I certainly can provide my opinion on it. Um, Again, that, nothing I, official, and Dylan is reporting nothing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm We're not trying to get not, you in trouble, Dylan. No, I'm certainly not reporting on it, but I can provide no. my opinion on it. Yes. Um, when I hear that Mike Babcock is potentially going to coach the Columbus Blue Jackets, I think so many people have compared this to John Tortorella. You know, Mike Babcock and John Tortorella, people love to compare them because they're, you know, more, they're strict hockey coaches, right. et cetera. But when I think about Mike Babcock potentially coaching the Blue Jackets, I personally get a little bit excited by it now that I've, I've really been able to sink my teeth into it and think about it a little bit more. And, you know, the blue jackets have a lot of skill, right? The NHL is, is a skill league these days. And that's what Mike Babcock coaches. His that's teams it. hold on to the puck. They create lots of offense. They play almost a more European style of hockey in a way. So if people want to see that, then that's what the blue jackets are going to be, you know? So that excites me. Um, you think about just the, I, I talked about structure before, and I think right when we talked about it, Bob McElligot, Jeff Swoboda, Jeff Rimmer, and I talked about it right after uh, Yarmo had that press conference saying that Brad Larson wasn't coming back and that I thought the Blue Jackets needed a little bit more rigidity. And that means, you know, in the dressing room, on the ice, just more structure all the way around, more accountability all the way yeah. around. And that's what Mike Babcock brings. Like Mac, Mike Babcock is a hockey man, you know, like he's going to the blue jackets are going to be a respectable organization and it's a respectable team on the ice under Mike Babcock. Like the guy knows what he's doing. It's going to be structure. It's going to be organized. It's going to be preparation. Um, I've spent a lot of time, you know, listening back to Mike Babcock press conferences just to get an idea of what the guy is like. Right. Because again, I'm not going to pass judgment on a guy or, or anything he's done because I've never met him before. I haven't worked with him. Um, but he is, he talks about preparation so much and I'm excited to see the blue jackets under him, frankly, because I think, you know, you look at some of these young players on this team, if he's able to use them in, in the correct ways and get the most out of these players, it's going to be really, really exciting. You look at the players that he's coached in the past, you know, in Detroit, all of the great players in yeah, Detroit right. and many of those guys were there before him, but you look at some of the guys that he coached and what he was able to get out of them. 
Uh, you look at the players that he was able to coach and what he got out of them uh, in Toronto. Obviously, there, there are some bumps along the way there that I'm sure you're going to get to and you want to talk about, but the guy knows what he's doing, right? Like, <laughs> sure. there's, there's, there's no two ways about it. Mike Babcock knows what he's doing. So I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what it all looks like here. Of course, you think about a guy like Mike Babcock coming, Mike Babcock coming in, excuse me, and you say, yeah, well, he's had some really good teams elsewhere. Where, well, Yarmo's in the process right now of of making some changes to this current roster, and and maybe they're trying to set this up to be to be something special and and get this thing really moving in the right direction. But uh, I'm, you know, of course you're you're like Mike Babcock. Wow. I didn't even think about Mike Babcock being the coach of the Blue Jackets, but you know, I think people, people, there was similar sentiment when the Blue Jackets hired uh, Ken Hitchcock, similar sentiment when the Blue Jackets hired John Tortorella. And those are probably the previous two best coaches in franchise history. So, you know, before you want to judge anything, let's see how it all plays out. That's what I'm glad you said that because that was going to be my next point is there was, you, you know, a lot of people are complaining. I'm for lack of a better term. I, I, I feel like these coaches, people feel like these coaches are just too much of a hard ass yeah. for these guys I, I, too much of, you know, people don't like these days. People don't like retread coaches. They think they, they think they have to, you know, they, they think they have to go with the younger guys who knows yeah. how to talk to these, these young players that players have evolved and changed so much. But the fact is some of the jackets, most successful seasons have come under these hard ass coaches, these retread coaches and Ken Hitchcock and John Tortorella. I, I don't know why. Why do you think it turns people, turns people off so much? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, because when you look at, cause when you look at these guys, I mean, even without the jackets, these guys have been successful elsewhere. Like yeah. what? I mean, yes, they do have a shelf life, but I, when you look at the hockey side of things, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. That's just the nature of the beast in sports these days, right? Like everybody does have a shelf life. You might look at the NBA, like they hot, they fire coaches of the year. If they don't yeah. win the, win the championship. Yeah. Yeah. But retread is such a funny word to me. And I think it's so funny that, that people get so fired up over it because when I hear retread, all I hear is, well, that guy's been there before he's done this before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And in this situation, I think that's exactly what the blue jackets need. Like, Yarmo made it very, very clear that the Blue Jackets need more accountability. Like they need, the culture needs to shift. They need more accountability like it was under John Tortorella. Now this is nothing against Brad Larson because I really like Brad Larson. I think, you know, I I think he was a very kind person. I think, you know, he, uh, he was good to me and, and I think he's a good hockey coach, but the Blue Jackets, something changed under Brad Larson, right? Like, I don't know if the players got too lax or they felt like they had too much rope and, you know, for, for lack of a better word, I guess he was a player's coach, right? At least people saw it more of that way that maybe he would have some of torts, but he was more of a player's coach and that didn't work out. So the Blue Jackets, they want to reset the culture. They need more structure. They need more accountability. And the way that I've, the way that I have phrased it all along, and this might be making it really, really simple is the Blue Jackets need a guy who can sit in the chair. You know what I mean? Like the Blue Jackets need a guy that can sit in the chair. And there might not be a single person that can sit in the chair more than Mike Babcock. So <laughs> that's I, I I just find that funny that the whole retread thing, because yeah. frankly, the only coaches that I want to retreads because I can say, oh, I've seen that guy have success <laughs> at this place before. Yeah. So I think he can do it here. Well, so let's get in. Let's get into the briefly the the reason that 
some people feel a little bit gross about it, right? Yeah, for and sure. Is Mike Babcock, when you when you read, even when you read the players that came out with allegations against Mike Babcock, it all, it all started with, he's a great hockey coach. Yeah. Like, this dude knows what he's doing. He knows how to win games. Great coach, but he's been called things like the worst person, <laughs> the, a terrible human being, a bully. Uh, he's done some things to his players, whether it's, sitting guys during milestone games, right? Didn't he do that to Mike Madano in a milestone game? He sat him for the game or holding grudges against players and not, not playing them when they should be playing. Uh, obviously you've got the one situation where he basically asked a guy to rank his teammates based on work ethic. And then he went out and told the team what the guy said. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just been a lot of like maybe over the top kind of bully stuff. Right? So Dylan, in knowing Yarmo and knowing how this man puts teams together and what he values, you have to believe that he is bought into whatever Mike Babcock has told him, assuming that he's going to move forward with this, that he is bought into whatever Mike Babcock has told him and said, this isn't the type of stuff we're going to be seeing here in Columbus, right? Yeah, and I mean, if you have to assume that Mike Babcock is bought into what the Blue Jackets are needing of him as well right like again i'm not gonna judge the guy because i've never worked with him and never met him and there are always obviously optically some of those things don't look good and some of those things sound good but there there is always more to the situation right mike babcock's a hockey coach he wants to put the team on the ice that has you know the best the best uh chance to win a hockey game so some of those things are maybe a little bit more difficult than they seem on the surface there but you know I again, I'm going to reserve judgment on what he's like because I've never worked with him before and I haven't necessarily heard stories from other people that have worked with him um, one way or the other. But he knows what the situation is, right? Like he knows what people are saying about him. So again, if this is the direction that the Blue Jackets are going in, those conversations have absolutely been had. Like the same, it's the same thing with Provorov, right? You've done your due diligence. You're not just it's not just a shot in the dark here. You're not saying, all right, I hope this guy's different. You're saying, you know, this is what our expectations are. And and this is what we want from you. And frankly, Mike Babcock strikes me as an extremely competitive person, right? Yeah. So yeah. he wants to put this team in the best situation to win. And he's going to do the things that he thinks are going to put this team in the best situation to win. And I'm sure he understands after working with Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and players like that, what it takes to work with, you know, the more modern athlete nowadays. So people had the same knock on John Tortorella, right? After what, what, what transpired in Vancouver there, it wasn't great for John Tortorella in Vancouver by any means, but he came to Columbus and people really, really liked him. Was he harder? Yes. Was he more rigid? Yes. Did he hold people accountable? Yes. Did sometimes he blew up on the team? Yes. But when it comes down to it, the players, players defend John Tortorella. They like John Tortorella. And as you just said, Chad, that the structure seems to work for the Blue Jackets. So I, again, going to reserve judgment on the guy. I'm hoping that, again, if the Blue Jackets are indeed hiring Mike Babcock, you have to assume that he understands what the situation is and that he he will adapt, right? Can I I say something that might be be unpopular, though? Can I say something that might be unpopular? Sure. 
I don't know if I think that like the stuff he did that was reported is like that bad. Like, <laughs> like it's it's like he's being blacklisted from That's certain people's mind. And I'm like, you know, if he was out there like fit, like you know, Urban Meyer in the NFL is kicking his kicker, right? Like, okay, <laughs> now we've got and and he's and he's basically wrist deep. I'm not even going to finish that at a bar in Columbus. Oh God. Uh, on a weekend. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like there's that kind of stuff. There's, there's did, like the stuff that Mike Babcock did, like maybe he's kind of a prick, but a lot of coaches are kind of pricks, right? Like yeah. John Tortorella is a prick. He'll tell you he's a prick. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Am I missing something? Did he do something that I am missing? Because, like, the big thing was, like, sharing his players' ranking of his teammates. And, yeah, that was a shitty thing to do. But, like, I when I read through all the allegations and I, and I refreshed myself on it, okay, maybe, maybe these weren't the smartest things to do. But, like, I don't feel like this is, like, should, like, blacklist him from the NFL forever. Yeah, it's... Like you said, maybe they weren't the smartest things to do, but obviously times change as well. Like some of the things that have come up with the Detroit stuff and, you know, times are a little bit different now. Mike Babcock has, has talked about that stuff, right? And Right. You know, he's he's addressed those things, and I think he's made it pretty clear that if the communication is there that he's making somebody feel uncomfortable or somebody has overstepped a boundary that that they are going to say, you know, Mike, you've overstepped this boundary. He's going to own up to it and apologize for it, right? Like he, you've watched. I think people have probably seen that interview that he did with Christine Simpson a couple yep. of years ago, where he says that, right? So if the communication is there, and that's what it's all about, like for Torts, for example, is all about communication. He wanted everything out there. So if the communication is there, then I don't think there should be any issues, right? Like, I'm not going to go out and say what Mike Babcock did was was right or wrong, but again, it's not like Mike. It's not like Mike Babcock is a criminal or anything like that. Right. He, yeah, maybe his coaching tactics were a little bit extreme at times, or maybe things were tough at times. But again, a, a lot of these players grew up with things like that. And a lot of these players are, are used to things like that. Right. Like for example, in my own life, I had a high school football coach that was a crazy person that would say some absolutely <laughs> horrible things. That, oh yeah. <laughs> that would certainly not fly today, but they were said we took them in some cases, those things we thought were weren't appropriate and they, they were addressed. I, again, we were high school students at the time. So if that, if that ever got <laughs> right, these right. guys are men and they can talk about it. So, you know, it's, everybody's entitled to what they want to think about this situation with the blue jackets, but it's such a cop-out answer to say, but we'll see what happens. Right. Like if, that's fair. Like, if Mike Babcock does again, I can't say I don't know if he's going to get hired or not. But if things come up and and there are issues, then I'd hope they are addressed. And and if they're not, then that's yeah. not a great situation, right? Yeah, I mean it's you know it's a it's a good thing there's just so many egos to combat that on this team, right? Like Ken Johnson's totally going to like just 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 be a jerk to him, and yeah, so Boquists, you know, no, <laughs> no yeah, I we've mean, heard I things, think. we've heard all those things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe Mike Babcock is a is a tough guy to deal with, but he's gotten a lot out of his teams. He's coached for a long time and been around well, the league for a long time. So I guess the resume speaks for itself. Yeah, bottom line, if, the if guy his track record continues with the Blue Jackets, the mm -hmm. way it has been for decades in the NHL, um, 
that would mean a lot of playoff games yeah. in Columbus again. And sure. that, that and be we, a beautiful we welcome thing. that. And I think if that tur- if it if it works out that that's the case, I think uh, everybody will be happy. All right, Dylan, we're going to let you go. Dylan Tire, you've got, I don't know, you just came off the link, so you're probably tired. <laughs> uh, you know, it's been a long day shooting under par. Uh, but Dylan, man, it's been great. And we've, we've meant to have you on for a long time, uh, and it's good to finally have you on. We love our Blue Jackets family. We love that you came on. Uh, and again, it just turned out to be the perfect day for it. So love the, having you on, talking about the big trade, talking about potential coaches and all that stuff. Uh, And Dylan, we certainly will do this again down the line with you if you're up for it. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, I'm hoping everybody's looking forward to what the Blue Jackets do throughout the next month. We've got the draft coming up quickly. So right around the draft, it's going to get going. Then you've got free agency after that. So Yarmo, uh, if anything uh, Yarmo has indicated is true, this team could look a lot different going into next season. So I'm very excited. Yeah, it'll be here before we know it, too. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's, this, it, it this always goes back. Already, this summer is already flying by quicker than it ever has before. So, <laughs> yeah. Welcome to getting older, Dylan. It, <laughs> yeah. it never stops doing yeah. that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dylan Tire, thank you so much for coming on with us, man. Go follow Dylan. Uh, stay tuned to everything he's got going on in the podcast, the spaces, everything he's doing with the jackets. You do an awesome job down there. Uh, and we really appreciate your time. See you later, Dylan. All right. Thanks again, guys. Have a good one. You too, Dylan. Dylan Tyre uh, from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, what a dude. What a good dude. Uh, yeah. and good insights there, too. I, I, I was hesitant there for a minute. I like huh? this whole Mike Babcock thing. Like, why are we talking about him? Like, he People like, hate him, dude. Why are we talking about him? Like, he beats up kids. Like, because he was or, mean. He was mean, Mike. He was like, he was mean. I read through the the allegation, and I had to do it again today just to make sure I wasn't missing something. And I'm like, what what coach doesn't do this stuff? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, some of it. Again, you're going to lose the respect of your locker room when you've got a guy like Mike Madano that's coming out for a for a um, uh, a milestone game, game, and then you sit him. Yeah, that you're going to lose. That's stupid. Now you're being dumb. That's stupid. Yeah. But like. Do we do we blacklist a guy for that? No. Like, no. Especially no. Like Mike ba- Mike Babcock took the Ducks to the finals. You know what I mean? Like this, he's won everywhere. Yeah, seven hundred wins in the NHL, and he hasn't. It's not like he's coached twenty five hundred games. Right. Right. I mean, he's, right. he wins everywhere, and and I'm looking through this stuff, and I'm like, well, yeah, he was kind of mean to that guy. And yeah, maybe he shouldn't have shared that information. I see, like, as a fan, do you really care? You want the guy that's going to get wins for your team, right? At the end of the day? Yeah. Right. And I don't, yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, Ah, man. I I, I will say this I look forward to the style of play because it is very, I've heard people like, oh, it's just Torts again. He's nothing like Torts. No. Not even in the, not even in the, uh, the only thing that he's like Torts about is that they're kind of pricks. Well, that's it, it well the thing is it's structured like torts but it's more open like mm. torts like you said that european like dylan said that european style of play it's yeah, much more not, open it's much more uh, finesse type hockey yeah it's not physical hockey it's yeah. finesse hockey what his teams that he has coached are far and away the least they have the least penalty minutes in hockey every time he coaches yeah they don't commit penalties they don't make mistakes it's not the most physical brand of hockey 
But man, the playmaking is out of this world yeah. on his teams. Well, okay, give me that with Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Line. And like, uh, I'm yeah. in. I'm in yeah. for that. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm in. Totally agree. All right. So again, huge thank you to Dylan Tyre. Uh, super fun to have him on for the first time. And uh, shout out to him for bringing a beer. Uh, we are, our next guest is going to be here shortly, hopefully. Uh, but Darren Cheverini, former Cleveland Brown. But before we get to Darren Cheverini, a nice little thing to break things up. We're going to do our asshole of the week. And guys, I... oh, go I, ahead. I got, I got an honorary one. You got That's an honor. Before we get to the main one, because I think we yeah, all just have a main one. It's a small one. Uh, and just 29 minutes ago is why it's topical. Oh, uh, I hate MLB like watches, like home run watch. Or now oh, yeah. in June, we're starting the Luis Arise batting average watch in mm-hmm. June. Oh yeah, I mean, geez, I'm so ex- I'm super excited for him to hit 142 in July. Oh, he's at he's the at 401 right now. It's gonna drop. To, I mean, like, okay, he's gonna finish about 300 this season. But like, I don't care. I don't need an update every. You went two for four, and now is at 401. I don't give a shit. It's June. A shit. It's June. You're only halfway through the season, and we're like counting batting average. Like, stop. yeah, fair. Get out of here. Get out of here. Uh, we've got some honorary ones. Uh, Boomer didn't like how CBJ Twitter is acting lately. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't yeah, like it either. Yeah, yeah, they're know, being a, they're being pretty petty. Yeah, they're being petty. Um, uh, Serge uh, car thieves in Cleveland. Asshole yeah. of the week. Yeah, for Stop sure. Fuck. For sure. Yeah. Stop doing that. Stop that. Wow. Shit. Uh, but listen, guys, the asshole of the week this week is clear. It's obvious, and there's one. It's the PGA. The, P- <laughs> the PGA. What a joke. What, what an asshole. What a joke. What an entire asshole. Garbage organization for a whole year. You stood on your high moral ground. You're, this is why I hate when people do this. This is why you don't find us doing moral ground on, on garage beers. Yeah. Because, like, what the fuck? You stood on your high ground. Oh, well, this Saudi money, and we don't know where it came from. And do you know what they had to do to get that? And, it's oh, this is dirty. unbelievable. This is dirty money. And, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden the Saudis were like, yeah, well, like we can partner with you and give you guys some of this money. And they're like, yeah, where do we sign? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. You want to hand us some of your infinite money, <laughs> your infinity money? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. We're in. Yeah. Oh, what a great, and, and, and listen, they're not assholes for joining the live. They're assholes for how they acted all the way up until they joined the live. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. Who gives a shit? You convinced your players. And think about the players that stayed with the PGA. They oh, preached loyalty. How pissed would you be? They preached loyalty. They preached, yeah, no, you don't want any of this money from Liv. No way. You need to stay with us. And then they find out on fucking Twitter today that they're <laughs> they're merging with Liv. They like they didn't even have like a the, the players had no idea. Imagine the players that turned it down. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then are like, well, what the fuck? If we were just going to do this, why did I turn all that money down? Yeah. Stupid. Oh, the PGA, such an asshole. So a joke. They're also in legal trouble now because uh, there's an antitrust lawsuit of something they've, I didn't read into it too much, but they definitely suspended players and messed up something with the transition of some players to the live. And that's also part of the merger as well. But like, just, just take the money like it's fine just, it's cool. yeah. just take the money it's just, fine just, whatever just, just to act so morally righteous and morally superior and just to act like 
we would never do this and we would never do that. And one fucking year later, we're not we're not even talking about this didn't take this wasn't like a decade in the making. One year later, it was like, well, shit, maybe we should just, right. maybe we should just jump in on this because right. uh, that it's a good lesson. Your moral high ground means nothing to anybody else. Nope. Stay when off the high money, horse. Nope. And when, when it comes to money, a couple billion dollars around. Yeah, Not at all. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it's just in life or like whatever. Your your feelings don't matter to anybody else. Get off the high horse. That's for you. Get it's, off the high it's horse. It's for you. Enjoy your feelings, but like. If you think yeah. they're going to make a, a, a bold statement, it's probably not. Because it always is going to make you look like the <laughs> asshole of the week. You're always going to look like the asshole of the week because of how you act. Yes, 100%. Yeah, asshole of the week. Uh, I'll go honorary. I'm going to go back to what, what uh, Boomer said before. Uh, but I'm going to go like hockey reporters. Um, so the Jackets make this trade for Provorov today, right? And I'm starting to read national things, and it's it's giving me Deshaun Watson vibes. Vibes, Joe. Oh, uh, it's it's given me Deshaun Watson vibes, right? There's the group of people out there, right? There's the person that did the quarterback rankings going into this season that ranked Deshaun Watson dead last in the NFL because, oh, I'm going to make this point and everybody's going to see how cool I am because I don't want to talk about football, but I'll be like, oh, he's a bad guy, whatever, right? There's no analysis. That's why am I annoyed? But I don't care if you don't like Deshaun Watson, but the the, the lack of analysis drives me up a fucking wall. Uh, when you get paid to analyze the game, there's this group of reporters now. And again, I, I personally, you guys don't, I don't care how you feel or how you don't care how I feel. I don't like what Provorov did. I don't like the stand. You're taking a stance against something that I don't like that you did it, but it is what it is. But now you've got these reporters coming out and going, uh, they're, they're grading the trade for the Kings, the Flyers and the Blue Jackets. And I'm telling you, I clicked on like four of them and every single one was like Kings B plus flyers, a blue jackets, D minus. <laughs> and it, there was no analysis to it. There was no analysis of like, Oh, the blue jackets are actually getting a talented defenseman, a talented player, whatever. No. It was just, Oh my God. They're bringing in Provorov. Uh, what? You're such an asshole. You're getting paid. To the transactional the league. Game. You're like, <sighs> Because to analyze the game, you're getting paid. Yeah. yeah, because he didn't do something you didn't agree with. Like, that's such bullshit, dude. Right, and listen, I compl- I cannot be more clear on this. I do not agree with the way he acted. Sure. I don't agree with it. I don't agree with how he feels. But from a reporting standpoint, write an article about why you don't like it from a moral standpoint, but, like, do the analysis on the trade. Like... Yeah, yeah. Do the analysis on the trade. Separate. It's it's stop. It's stupid. That, to to that, say it's a D minus trade implies that you think that the Blue Jackets got worse because they made that deal. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And and, and that's stupid. Uh, and, and that's the thing. I, I I don't get the hate from it. Like I get like okay, yeah, right. You didn't agree with wh- how he handled the situation. Fine. But you know what? <laughs> it, it, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't offend anybody. Okay, like he didn't come out and 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 blast uh, gay people. He he didn't do any of that. All he said was, "No, I'm I'm sticking with my beliefs." That's it's the same thing with with it's the same thing with any of us. If any of us felt so strongly in our beliefs, we were we would do the same thing. Okay, like this this idea in society that we have to acquiesce to every single little thing and shouldn't be able to stick to our beliefs is is bullshit. Okay, but but. 
the, the fact that he just stuck to his beliefs, he didn't hurt anybody by doing it. He just said, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to stay in the locker room and come out for regular, regular warmups. I'm going to, that's all he did. That is all he did. And people are just, just accosting him for it. Like it's stupid. It's but, so stupid. Yeah, and, and I completely agree with you. And I completely disagree with him, right? Like that's the thing. I agree with what you're saying. I don't agree with his stance. Yeah. But like it's his stance. And that's kind of what Yarmo said. Like, that's what and happens in just, America. We have our freedom to believe whatever the hell we want yeah. to. Oh, but <laughs> it's just the people, the people, the people that came out and did those articles, man. I was just, I was so fired up. Uh, D minus for the jackets. D plus for the jackets. What? They just, have you seen the jackets defense? Yeah. Yeah. Did did you see their defense? Like, to act like <laughs> that guy doesn't make sense. And frankly, to be honest, even if he's just a pretty good player, what was the biggest problem with the Jackets last year? The injuries and the availability? That dude has played every hockey game for all but one year he's been in the NHL. I mean, he's 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 healthy, he's fit, he's stable, he's he comes in and he's reliable. And yeah, maybe he's got a stance that you disagree with. Maybe you don't. Even, maybe you think his stance is wrong. I think his stance is wrong. It is what it is. I, I, do I want him on the hockey team? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This this whole thing of like you can't root for people you don't agree with. Bitch, I rooted for Albert Bell. <laughs> he tried to run over kids on Halloween. Yeah. In his yeah. car. <laughs> yeah. We're pegged, currently rooting for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> he, he pegged a woman in the chest with a baseball because a guy next to her called him Joey after he changed his name to Albert. Did I root for him? Fuck yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. Am I rooting for Deshaun Watson? Yeah. Do I think that guy is a sleazeball? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's a sleazeball. The human from the athlete. <laughs> That's it. Where's the team? Just a team from the athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. numbers and jerseys. Like, uh, that's me to say, but like, <laughs> yeah. when it comes to stuff like this, like, dude, you have to have some separation, I think. Yeah, I'm not trying. Listen, would I do I does Provorov sound like a guy I want to go drink a beer with and hang out with? Nah. But if he scores 25 goals and plays good defense for the Jackets, right? If he helps us get back to the playoffs, let's no go. One's gonna care. No let's one's go. gonna care. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> those are our assholes of the week. We've got a couple other things we can talk about. Uh, we are waiting, we're waiting on Darren Cheverini. Uh, so Chad, I don't are you gonna send him a quick note? Yeah, I just did. All right. So you know how sometimes that can go. But uh, Darren Cheverini, former Cleveland Browns wide receiver, he was responding all day to us on Twitter. He was retweeting stuff. So I think we're going to have him on. Sometimes it's just a couple minutes here or there. Uh, So we are going to just wait to see what we hear from Darren uh, to talk a little bit about the Browns, to talk about his life. I think he's going to have a really interesting insight. He's a Colorado Buffaloes guy. He went to Colorado. He coached to Colorado. I do want to hear his insight on Deion Sanders out there in Colorado. And it's always fun to hear the insight and stories from these guys that were around in 1999 for the Browns. So really excited to have him on. He'll come on whenever he gets here. Um, But in the meantime, boys, I mean, we can continue talking uh, hockey and basketball. Uh, These these playoffs, man, we're getting to the end. No games tonight. We got, uh, I think, what, basketball tomorrow, hockey in a couple nights. I hate the finals because of how this shit gets spread out. It's awful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Drags it on. This is a but terrible business decision by the NBA. <laughs> we're two games in. Uh, we're two games in uh, with with both. We've got absolute annihilation happening in the NHL. I mean, uh, 
Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, guys, because I just saw somebody pop in on the background. Ooh. And so we can come back to this if we want to. <laughs> Boomer says Vegas in three. That <laughs> baby. The way things are going now, maybe the Panthers won't show up to game four. But, boys, we're going to get off hockey for a minute. We're going to get off hockey for a minute because we've got a former Cleveland Brown uh, that's sitting waiting in the wings. Uh, an original Cleveland Brown from the 1999 team, one of their inaugural draft picks from the 1999 season, a fifth rounder out of the University of Colorado. Uh, we're going to bring him in right now. It's Darren Cheverini. Darren Cheverini, man, welcome into the Garage Beers podcast. What's up, guys? Sorry I'm a little late, man, but I've been recruiting all day and just answering phone calls and answering meetings and shoot it's been it's been a day man it's been like a 14 hour day so i appreciate you guys having me on no well, i mean i, I just coming on yeah absolutely i knew i've seen your tweets all i mean i know yeah, camp is starting on the on the 12th i know you're a busy man so i know i really really appreciate you coming on and no problem i appreciate uh, you guys having me on I, i've always loved the brownies man and i enjoyed my time in cleveland and those are some good years man my first couple of years so it's it's a, it's a pleasure to be on your guys' show. Darren, uh, you just brought it up. This was a question I was going to ask you, but now I want to know. Uh, you've been named one of Rivals' top 25 recruiters in football. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you're talking about being out on the recruiting trail. Why are you one of the – like, why is Darren Cheverini, amongst all people, one of the top 25 recruiters in all of football? And what what makes you love that part of the job so much? I mean, honestly, if you want to be good as a program, you have to love recruiting. And if you if you think that you can outsmart people, um, no, you're wrong. And that's why, especially at the NFL level, that's why drafting is so important. Because if you don't have a top quarterback, if you don't have certain pieces in place, then you're not going to outsmart people. And that's why, you know, I've been a college coach now for 17 years. And jeez. I was at the division one level for 10 years and then I took the head coaching job at Chafee college. But if you want to be a good coach, get good players. It's not rocket science. And yeah, I know I'm a good football coach, but I'm a much better football coach when I got better players. And so <laughs> I'm, very, I'm yeah. very passionate about developing my roster that way. Now, what is it like? I don't know. What's, it's, this is my I'm, I'm claiming ignorance here but what is what is what is uh, like a secret to being a good is it adapting to someone's family is it kind of you just reading the situation like what's what's a what's a, a good trick of the trade to be a good recruiter you know i think everybody's different but for me what i think connects me to to young people and young adults is you know i really don't try to coach talk them i really just try to be myself and and life experiences as a player and as a coach in this profession and what I can do to help them. I think more importantly, it, the, the number one trait of being a good recruiter is get to know them. You know, don't sell them on on things right away. Just get to know them as, as a person and, and talk to them on that level. And I think if you can do that and be genuine about it, then you'll connect with young people. And it, I mean, really at the end of the day, they just want to know you care about them and that you're going to do everything in your power to help develop them. And, that's why I've been known as one of the top recruiters in the country is, is I just, I really try to get to know them as people, get to know their families. And, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes down to someone who's just selling everything and not getting to know them, then you're going to win out. 
So Darren, uh, real quick, one last question because your your input and your insight on recruiting is awesome. Uh, and to be able to talk to somebody on that list is cool. Uh, but you've spent the last several years, uh, like you said, 10 years uh, recruiting for your Buffaloes, your, your, yep. your, your Colorado Buffaloes, and then UCLA, uh, where yeah, you were coaching yeah. as well. Those are two big-time, big-time programs. And we, I do want to talk to you about Colorado for a minute. But uh, so here you go to, to Chafee. Chafee College, right? Which we're from Cleveland. I don't know where Chafee. I know it's in California. I know it's. I know it's a, a small school out there in California. Talk yeah. about the 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 challenges and the differences when you're walking into a, a recruit's house trying to get them to sign on the dotted line to come join you at Chafee College versus UCLA or Colorado. Yeah, it's definitely. You know, you know I've been coaching college ball for 17 years, but the first six years. I was coaching junior college football, and that's what Chafee College. Chafee College is a junior college. So, yep. you know, for me, I wanted to – I took a step back kind of at the level of being a Power 5 assistant to being a head football coach because I wanted to be a head football coach. And so in order to be a head football coach, you got to get that first job. And so I elevated myself as a top recruiter in California in the junior college level for six years, and that's when Cliff Kingsbury hired me at Texas Tech. And so now I want to do the same thing in my head coaching career – you know, put Chafee College on the map, you know, build this program from basically scratch and build it in my identity and, and the culture that I want to build. And so I know I believe in myself as a coach. I've always believed in myself as a player and as a coach. And I'm going to do the same thing here at Chafee. But, yeah, it's much different. There's no question the resources that we have at the Power 5 level are ridiculous. And the money that's being spent right now with NIL and everything involved in Power 5 athletics is just at a level that no one has seen before. Um, but what I like about this level is that it's a level playing field. And I know that if I out recruit you, I'm going to beat you. And so, you know, at the division five, I mean, at the power five level right now, you got to outspend them. Yeah. And, right. That's exactly it. And, yes. And that's not, that's not what I think makes college football. Great. I think what makes college football great is the recruiting process and then developing those players over a course of two or three years and see them be successful and build your program. I think college football has gotten away from that. And I think the model that they're trying to follow right now is not necessarily sustainable without some kind of legislation. And so, you know, that's why another reason why I wanted to come down is because I know I'm good at what I do. And now that I have a level playing field, you know, I'm going to make a name for myself as a head football coach. Uh, I do want to talk to you real quick. Uh, the 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 story about your coaching career is awesome, but I do want to talk to your Colorado Buffaloes, man, all over the news, all yeah. over the news. They make they were the big splash, right? Uh, and I know you spent time uh, obviously as a player there, but also as a coach. Yeah, they they made the big splash this off season, and they decided to bring in Deion Sanders as the head coach. And it's been it's basically been one big documentary watching Deion Sanders and, and yeah. how he's handling things. But just, you know, I know you don't work there anymore, uh, but it's still your school. And, and I'm sure you're still very close to Colorado. Uh, just kind of your thoughts on watching everything that's gone down at Colorado this offseason. You know, I mean, I love my buffs. I'll always love my buffs. I mean, I, I believe black and gold and, and people that know me know that, um, you know, like I said, I think the model that you know, that they're, they're following right now. I don't know if that's necessarily sustainable in college athletics. I mean, having a roster turnover of over 70 kids, yeah, that's, I mean, a lot. that's, that's not college football. That's pro football. You know, yeah. that's, that's free agency. That's, that's 
that's different, you know. So I don't I don't love that because there's a lot of good players and a lot of good kids that got told to leave, you know. Yeah, and yeah that's right. That's that's not what college football is about. No, you know? <laughs> that's pro football. That's why they have pro football. You right. Know? <laughs> and so. You know, it, it just it, it, it hurts a little bit because there's a lot of good players that are at other. There's a lot of good players that I signed at the University of Colorado that got drafted from different universities this year, oh, and that wow. sucks. Yeah. Because those players should have been playing. I mean, Christian Gonzalez, who was a first round pick for the Oregon Ducks. Yep. I signed him at Colorado. He was a wow. two year starter. And, wow. You know, that just that that sucks to see those kids not finish at the university that they were at, you know, and you know, the list goes on and on, but I'm, I'm rooting for the buffs. I'm rooting for Dion. I mean, I don't know coach Sanders that well, but I played against NFL a little bit and, you know, I've met him a couple times and I'm rooting for him because he's the head coach of Colorado. And I want to see that program do well. Um, for sure. I think expectation, I think expectations should be tempered a little bit the first season <laughs> because I think what they're trying to accomplish is unheard of in college athletics and that schedule, I looked at their schedule. It's tough. It's not, yeah. it's not easy, you know? So I'm rooting for the buffs. I'll always root for the buffs. I'm, I'm a buff for life. And, and, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, they turn the scoreboard on, you know? And so yeah. we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right, Darren, let's get to the Browns. Let's uh, go. Listen, you know, like uh, like one of our recent guests, your old teammate Wally Rayner, uh, you were drafted in the fifth round in, in 1999. What was yeah. to the expansion Browns? What was what was your draft process like? What was what was it like when you talk about the feelings when you got when you got that call? What was what was that whole process like for you? You know, I was uh, you know when I was coming out my senior year at the University of Colorado, I was you know you see all the draft protect. Uh, projections you see all the mock drafts and you know I was rated like one of the top 10 receivers in the draft and so my draft grade was anywhere anywhere between the third or fourth round so I thought I was going to go on back then they had two days they had one through three and then right. four through seven and so I was really disappointed the first day when I didn't get drafted I thought I would go you know somewhere in the third round and you know I didn't get the call and so then you're waiting in the fourth round and your name doesn't get called. So you're really getting anxious. You're, you know, kind of wondering, you know, man, am I going to play pro football? You know, should I start thinking about other things, you know? And, you know, then you get a call from Dwight Clark and, you know, the legendary Dwight Clark. And, yeah. you know, we had a great conversation and he said, Hey, Darren, we're about to take you with the next pick and, and shoot, you know, what was crazy is Tony Dungy had just called me and said they were going to take me with the pick that was coming up after the Browns. And, <laughs> oh, sorry. And so Dwight, sorry, Darren. And then Dwight <laughs> called me, and then, you know, the rest is obviously history. And, shoot, man, what a great city to get drafted to. I mean, Cleveland loves its football team. And to this day, 20 years later, I still get fan mail from Cleveland Brown fans. And, get out of here, huh? No way. You no, know, every week I get, I get football cards every week to sign. No and kidding. So it's pretty cool that even 20 years later, I get – I get letters from dads from, from their kids that, hey, my dad said you're a really good player. And <laughs> <laughs> that just shows how old we're getting, man. So, oh, shit. man. <laughs> I, was, I was drafted in 99. It's a long time ago. It's 24 my, years ago. So. My hip just started aching. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
No doubt. But I, I love, I've loved playing for Cleveland. Should I remember meeting Jim Brown, you know, my first year, 99, and Jim would come down around the facility. I just, I remember the excitement being, yeah. you know, the Browns are back. It was obviously the expansion team. So, you know, there was a, there was electricity in the city for the Browns coming back. Now we weren't very good, but, um, you know, the fans didn't care. They just glad that we had football back in Cleveland. So I'll always remember those couple years I was in Cleveland. Do you still remember the feeling on that? Because I still remember the feeling on that first night. Brown Steelers. I don't love the final <laughs> score because yeah, that was, was 40, rough. 40 points later, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but that feeling of like running out the tunnel for the first time at Cleveland Brown Stadium, man. As a guy oh, that was on no the qu- team. There's no question. You know, here's, what, here's a funny story, right? So, you know, in the NFL, obviously, there's only 53 guys that make a roster only 45 back then dressed on game day. And so, you know, I was an all-conference receiver in Colorado, but I wasn't a kick returner in Colorado. So here's the first game against the Steelers on the starting kick returner. You know, opening night, you know, opening Sunday night football, and here I go out there, and I'm I'm the starting kick returner for the Cleveland Browns. And all I was thinking is don't drop this ball, right? Don't drop this ball. And I think I, like – my first kickoff return was like 18 yards or something, but shoot, man, what a what a moment to your first NFL game and you're just starting kick return for the Cleveland Browns against the Steelers, you know. Ugh. And what's crazy is we got our butts kicked the first game and then we beat them later that year. Yes, right. Oh, I will never forget the kick. In Pittsburgh, I had the game-winning catch down the middle of the field to set up the field goal to win the game. I'll know? never forget that field goal. Uh, yeah, some great, some great memories. Obviously, beating the Steelers first year was awesome. Winning on the Hail Mary against the Saints was awesome, yeah. you know, and, you know, jump. I, you know, I scored a couple of touchdowns, so I get to jump in the dog pound. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's stuff that you'll remember the rest of your life, you know, that people don't get the chance to do really in their life. You know, well, Darren, you made you made a bit of a name for yourself, man, especially your rookie year. I mean, you, you yeah. still hold the Browns record for receptions in a game by a rookie. Did you know that? You had 10 balls. I did, I did know that. I know I broke Ernie Green's record from, like, 1960-something. And you still have it. I still ha- I heard I still have it. And, you know, it sucked I got hurt the second year because I really thought I was kind of coming into my own, and then I got hurt, like, the third week or fourth yeah. week. And, you know, it's just the NFL, man, if you're not available, it's just they, they move on quickly. So, you know, I never could really get myself back going. I got traded to Dallas, but you know, my team and my time in Cleveland, I you know, I still remember vividly and shoot some of the best years of my pro career. Just you know, getting a chance to play in the NFL, man. Not many people can say they did that. You know, did Tim Couch get one of the rawest deals in history? Yeah, Tim. What sucked for Tim is that you know, obviously he was drafted to an expansion team. Yeah, and you know, he probably got sacked more than anybody the first couple of years. <laughs> oh and God. He, you know, then he had the shoulder injury with the labrum or whatever was going on with him. But me and Tim just reconnected recently on Instagram, so we were kind of messaging with each other. But, yeah, Tim was a good player, man. Just, and also, you know, you always got to play to a guy's strengths. And, I, you know, I believe if you draft a guy number one, you don't try to change you know, too much about him, you know. And so I don't know if that was going on then either. So, um, but, you know, shoot, man, it's – it's hard, as we all know, man. Look at the Cleveland's still been trying to find some consistency twenty <laughs> some years later, man. So, 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 Darren, from your perspective, right? Because you were a part of that original team those first two years, you were there, and I think this is a fascinating question to ask you guys that were actually in the trenches at practice, dealing with the front office, dealing with the coaches, all that stuff. It's been 
Darren, man, it's been decades yeah. of mostly misery in Cleveland. Yeah. And they've not been able to get it right. And hopefully that's changing, but they've not been able to get it right. Can you pinpoint things from like your time there that were like, oh, they should have done, they should totally should have gone this direction. And it like just set the franchise back for 10 years. You know, I think here's the problem though, too, is that I think when that, when we first came back, the expansion draft, you know, you got to do a better job of keeping your draft classes together and develop yeah. those players over a course of two to three years. And I think what would have been good for Cleveland at the time back when they drafted like our class in 99, 2000, 2001, if they would have done a probably a better job of not being in such a rush to win right away yeah. and develop those draft classes, give Coach Palmer and his staff a chance to really develop players and build through the draft and free agency, I think you have a chance for success. But when you turn over coaching staff every couple of years and you turn over front office personnel every couple of years, you're turning over your draft classes every person you're starting over i mean you're starting over and i think you're seeing a trend of that right now in the nfl where guys don't get chances to develop draft classes you're it's win now or get fired from gms to head coaches to i mean you name it and so i think if you look at the if you look at the organizations that have been successful over the long term in the nfl there's always been stability and sure. there has to yeah. be cohesiveness on how you develop your roster and retain your roster. And so, you know, I'm hoping that Cleveland's, you know, they're, you know, giving Stefanski and his staff and all those guys that are there, giving them a chance to really develop those classes. And you got to have a quarterback. We all know that. So you got to yeah, have a quarterback. Sure. And so, <laughs> you know, see what Stefan can do. And, and, and really, this is really year one for him. So, I mean, right. let's see what he can do really in year one. Because last year, that's a wash, what happened for him. So you got to see what's going to happen. But I do believe they, they got the pieces in place. I think they have ownership that's, you know, willing to spend in free agency. And, you know, I mean, that it, you, you, if you want to make money, you got to spend money. And so they're doing that. Got that so right. now we'll see how it plays out. Oh, Chad? Oh, oh sorry. Yeah. Got yeah. Me. Chad. I froze a little bit. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, when you got drafted here, so, you know, I want to I want to know what your thoughts of the city were a little bit. I mean, you, obviously, you know, you knew the fans were crazy, but did you know anything about Cleveland when you first got drafted here? And like, what did you love? You know, what did you love uh, about the city uh, of Cleveland? You know, I, I knew nothing about Cleveland when I got drafted you know, by the Browns, um, except I knew Bernie Kozar played there back, you know, in the 90s. Okay. And I knew a little bit about the dog pound and obviously knew a little bit about like uh, Brennan and some of those guys. And, and yeah. but I, what I loved about Cleveland was it's just blue collar working class people that love their sports teams and they ride with you win or lose. And, <laughs> you know, I, I love the flats in the summer. I thought the flats in the summer were yeah. awesome. All right. You, know? you just got to be careful if you stay out there too late, you know, there's <laughs> On down the yeah, yeah, you'll get you'll start getting carjacked. Apparently, <laughs> oh, as our team is finding out right now. Yes, there's a lot of things that go on, but you know, I'll I'll always appreciate just how everybody, especially like me being I was, I'm a white receiver, right? So I was a white receiver that was making a bunch of plays, and I think people appreciated just the working class element of me and my background, and so 
you know, I'll always appreciate the city of Cleveland. And even to this day, they still reach out and, you know, show me love on Twitter and, you know, send messages on Instagram and shoot, man. I've had, you know, since you guys tweeted that stuff out about the podcast, I've gotten like three more requests from Cleveland people. So oh, nice. You know, they're probably trying to, they're probably finding out where I'm at now. So they're trying to no. get me on their shows, man. But, you know, I, no, I mean, no. shoot, Cleveland's, Cleveland's a great sports town and we all know that. And so I'm hoping the Browns can kind of head in the right direction. You know, I was, I was a huge Baker fan. I was, I was a huge Baker Mayfield fan. And we all were know, at one point. I was, you know, I was surprised that they didn't give him the extension when they had the chance to do the extension and get that done. Because I think the guy is, was a good player and he, and he kind of encompassed what Cleveland was about. Just blue collar, yeah. you know, hard worker. And, and sure. I know things didn't end the right way for him there in, in Cleveland, but man, he was fun to watch, man. I mean, I mean, how many Browns quarterbacks got it, got the Browns to the playoffs? Not many. And won a game. And won a game, yeah. you know? And so, you know, and, and, and I'm sure that there's some things that he could have done better, but shoot, man, I mean, he encompassed what the Browns were about, you know? Tim yeah. was the only other one. Tim was the only other one to get us to the playoffs. Yeah, Tim, man. Not and Kelly. Dude, Tim and, and Kelly. Pitt. They were buddies. Yeah, Tim, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, I mean, you know, shoot, man, I'm, I'm rooting for the Browns. I always will root for the Browns. Darren, a couple fun questions before we let you get out of here, man. Uh, yeah. Just just nostalgia purposes, because us Browns fans, man, we love our nostalgia purposes. And, and you guys did give us as much as it sucked to win two games your rookie year. Yeah. You gave us some moments that rookie year. You had some great games. Uh, let's talk about real quick. Just who are some of your favorite teammates back on those like the 99 Browns, 99, 2000 Browns? You know, I mean, Kevin Johnson obviously was a great teammate, you know, great. like. And then, you know, obviously Tim Couch, you know, Ty Detmer, I love Ty Detmer. The Detmer, you know, I'm probably the only one of the only receivers to catch touchdown passes from both brothers, you know. Ty, Ty and Coy. Right. Yeah, so Coy in college and then Ty in the pros. I mean, Doug Peterson was on that team. Yes. You know? So Doug Peterson, I think Doug, Doug might have been there in 2000, I believe. Yep. And then, shoot, we had Kelly Holcomb, who, you know, I, I connected with Kelly a couple, like a year ago because his son's a quarterback. And, you know, Wally Rayner actually reached out to me. So I connect with Wally, you know, <laughs> I loved Eric Rett. Eric Rett, man, was the, he was the man. Terry oh. Kirby, loved Terry Kirby. I forgot and then, Eric you know, right. Shoot, we had, uh, we had uh, Roman Oban was on that team. And yes. We had some old vets too. We had our tackle. God, what was our tackle's name? The old guy that was been around. Oh, was God, it? No, oh, it was. Uh, was it Orlando Brown? Not Orlando. I remember Orlando. Dave Willabaugh. Well, Willabaugh was one of them, but it was our big. It was our big tackle. Not not the other one. Not Orlando. I was on the game where Orlando. Was it Lomas? It was Lomas. Yep, Lomas Brown. I love Lomas, man. Oh yeah. That, that guy was a great dude. And uh, she, I'm trying to think of the guy. Oh, Corey Fuller on defense. Love Corey. You know. <laughs> and some, some, so we have some characters now. Marcus Pope was a good, really good player. Mark, yeah. Mark, you no. Know? For and sure. so, sure. you know, we had some good times. We only won two games, man, but we, I felt like we got better throughout the year. You know, we weren't very good to start with, but we did get better and we were young. And and I think if you would have kept that nucleus together a little bit longer, we, we would have gotten better and added some pieces, but and that's pro football, man. It, it's, and, they call it NFL for a reason, not for long, you know? Hey, that record setting game that still stands 10 catches for a rookie was against your best opponent that year, right? 
the Jacksonville Jaguars were 13 and one. Yeah, we and we we should have beat them. And we you were this close. Yeah, we took the lead, I think, late in the game, and then they came down the field, kicked the field goal or something to beat us. But I remember I scored in that game. And shoot, I remember I think both games I had good games against. I think one I had 10 and one I had like six or seven against them. And uh, yeah, we, we, we had a chance to get better. We just, you know, you know how it is, man. Guys leave, guys get hurt. And, you know, then it, they, were, they were in such a hurry to win right away, you know? Right, sure. And, uh, yeah. you know, they had, they had a chance to kind of build it the right way, but uh, that's pro sports, man. Everybody's going yeah. through that yearly right now, you know? All right, Darren, my last question that I got for you. So that, that Halloween game in new Orleans at hail Mary, right? <laughs> I like, like how, how big was the exhale <laughs> back in the locker room? And, and are there any stories after that game that you can share? Like, did you guys go out after that game or did you just get go on the plane? And, and, and get out of there well we you can't you know the protocol you can't go out but we, we definitely celebrate on the plane man i mean yeah, no okay. question about that <laughs> i mean the nfl was a different animal back then too i mean especially especially now with they got more things in place i mean it was still kind of you know i was a i was a rookie and so there were some vets on that team and they, they kind of showed you how to like have a good time on the plane, man. So, okay. You know, we, we definitely had some, we definitely had some, that was a good flight, you know? And yeah, I, I, if I believe, I think we were winning and then they took the lead late against us. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then we threw the hell Mary. We had a couple plays down the field and then we threw a hell Mary and man, I think, I think, I think, I think KJ caught it, but I think someone, yeah. I was right there with Leslie Shepard. It got tipped up in the air. I remember I was looking at it and I fell down and it went right over my head. And then, you know, KJ caught it right in the, right in the, right in the pylon area. And so, yeah. man, what a what a great win. And shoot, man, I think we were 0-8 at the time. So we need – Right. I was starting to think, man, are we going to win a game this year? Yeah. Like, yeah. So that was – And then the, you lost money on cards on the plane ride home. No, no. <laughs> yeah. no, no doubt, man. Yeah. Those were no, – no, I mean, that was just a, good, a fun year because I was a rookie and I was playing a lot and I was catching yeah. balls and – you know, I was only 21 years old, so I was a baby, man. And so, you know, I was just, I just was just, I, I, I felt like I had adapted pretty well that first season. And then obviously when you get injured the next year, it kind of sets you back, you know? Yeah. Listen, Darren Cheverini, man. Uh, so cool of you to come spend so much time with us. Uh, like you said, you're still getting cards. You're still getting uh, autograph requests from Cleveland. And, and I'll be honest with you, as we went through them, we were like, oh, who do we, you know, who can, who can we bring on? Let's do some Nostalgia Bronze podcast. That's what kind of what we were talking about. Chad was like, what about Darren Chevrini? I was like, yes, please bring him on. Uh, <laughs> we love having you on. Uh, we love yeah, just man. talking to you. You were, you, you're a part of such a special thing for us here in Cleveland. So we told this to Wally Rayner, man. Uh, I don't know that you carry this with you. But what you guys brought back to us in Cleveland is such a special part of our of our lives and 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 our enjoyment and just being able to enjoy being Clevelanders. We appreciate you for that. That's why you get those card requests is because you brought something back that we love so dearly and you were such a big part of it. So uh, we really appreciate you coming on. We wish you nothing but the best. Chafee College, look out Juco League, man, because you got one of the top recruiters coming in. Uh, and yeah. it's, it's only a matter of time before we see Coach Cheverini uh, taking over uh, at the helm of, uh, well, you know what? Do your thing at Chafee College first, and then we'll figure that out from there. Yeah. No, I appreciate it, man. I'm going to definitely build this thing up into a championship program, and I'll get my chance, man. I did I did it before. I'll do it again. But I appreciate you guys, and, 
you know, if you guys want me to come on again later on in the season, let me know and I'll come on too for sure, man. Yeah. We'd love to catch up with you later on in the season. Absolutely. Just make it a time where you can crack open a beer. Yeah. Yeah. No, no question, man. I, well, I was in a meeting and then I was driving home and then you hit me on Twitter or someone hit me on Twitter and I'm like, Oh man, I got to jump on this podcast. And so then I'm like, I'm going to jump right in right now. I'm okay. If I'm in the car, man. So nah, we, uh, we couldn't appreciate go. you anymore. We couldn't appreciate yeah, you anymore. I've, for been, everything. I've, been, I've been going all day. So I, I appreciate you guys waiting up for me, man. And, and, uh, you know, we'll definitely do it again. All right, man. Darren Cheverini, go get some sleep, go get some rest, and then hit that recruiting trail again. We'll talk to you again down the line. All right, man. I'll see you guys. Thanks, Darren. You're welcome. Darren Cheverini, man. Are you, are you kidding me with Darren Cheverini? Are you kidding me with that, dude? Let's go. Uh, maybe, maybe our podcast, maybe we should rename the podcast to just 99 Browns. <laughs> and that's all we do is talk to the guys from the 99 Browns. I love these guys. I love these guys. Yeah. You know what I find, except for Corey Fuller, I don't, <laughs> I don't even care about calling him out anymore because he was so bad. Well, we should, uh, no, I probably shouldn't ask him about that. Nah, nah. Corey forgot <laughs> to come on our podcast and then blamed us for it. Uh, so sorry. Do you think I was in the salad? You know, yeah. Yes. The minute the minute a dude comes on and goes, let's just get this over with. Uh okay. Sick. Hey, just, let's just way to set the tone. Uh but otherwise, I you know the the thing, you know what I love about talking to the guys from the 99 Browns dudes? There's a they they all carry with them this sense of like kind of appreciation because they all went through a ridiculously difficult time. Right. It, ridic- it was hard to be a player for the 99 Browns. You got your teeth kicked in week in and week out. You're just getting your asses handed to you. Right. Let You win right. two games, and it felt like, oh, we've made an accomplishment. Yeah, it, it was tough, man. So these guys all carry with them this just sense of like, man, I love playing for Cleveland. I love that they still remember me. Uh, and, man, Darren Cheverini, what a dude. What a dude. I, I do. I agree with him. I wish he would have been around longer because he was making a name for himself. And then he got he hurt. Was, he was, was making, he was making plays and then he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And then Butch and Butch Davis came in and obviously, you know, any new coach is going to want to bring in his guys. He wasn't married mm-hmm. to Darren. So he was like, I'm out of here. That was it. That was it. So anyways, huge shout out Darren Cheverini, the head coach. That was awesome. Chafee college, the Panthers out there in, that was uh, awesome. Uh, Rancho Cucamonga, California. Uh, I would imagine other uh, Juco college uh, coaches are shitting their pants a little bit, knowing that one of the top 25 rivals recruiters now is, is a head coach at one of the Juco's that dude is going to be, uh, he's going to be a big time head coach. Like no doubt a hundred percent. Yeah, no doubt. So, all right, boys. Uh, well, we got to talk to two special guests, Dylan Tyre, and Darren Cheverini, we got to talk about our asshole of the week, which is just PGA mm. Tour golf. Uh, you stupid assholes. <laughs> so now let's finish on a positive. Let's finish with something fun and uplifting or whatever. Let's finish with our three cheers of the week. And Joe, it's been a minute since we've heard you talk. So why don't you why don't you kick us off? Pass. What the fuck, Joe? So I wasn't ready for it. I'm sorry. I was just trying to get back. We do it every game, week. You know? We do it every week. We do. Yes. It's the pancake breakfast. We do it every yes. week. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
Um, I'm choosing my long weekend this weekend because I've been literally nonstop working and my brain That's is fried. And I'm, just, I'm, yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm just existing on the screen. That's where I'm at right now. But hopefully after next week, I will not be existing. I'll be like more, you know, contributing. We'll see. That's fair. I mean, you're going to have to. I'm on vacation yeah. next week. You're going to have to, Joe. Where are you going? I'm going to Delaware. He goes oh, to Delaware yeah. every year. What are you talking about? He's going to yeah. come back. He's going to drink dogfish head beer for the next three months. Goddamn right. <laughs> Goddamn right. We yeah. know how this goes. Or I'm going to bring back. Maybe I'll bring back stuff for crushes. Uh, I will choose this. Do you guys know what this is? That is an exacto pen. It is an endoscope. Oh. Oh. And it you, lets you, you put it right in your, your ass? ear. No, oh, it's ear. in your ear for like earwax. Man, <laughs> it is fun. I'll send you guys an earwax video later. It's not, I'm not yeah, going to show it here. It's yeah, not don't. great. Don't. Um, yeah, I got nothing else to cheer. Don't. Have a good time now. All right, Chad, what about you? Cheer of the week. Oh, man. Um, am I going to cheer? Uh, oh, boy, do I have a cheers. For you guys, have you guys ever done this I'm gonna, before? I'm going to cheers Deshaun Watson, looking like the oh. best quarterback oh, as ever in 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 mandatory minicamp in June. Man, yeah. Shit. Listen, I'm super excited about Deshaun. I think he's going to be way better this year than he was last year. I think it's only natural that he is. But like the amount of reporters that came out today <laughs> and were like, "I've never seen anybody practice like that." <laughs> Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. What are, you talking, what are you talking about? Well, it's the first time they've seen, you know, you know, somebody above the 30th ranked quarterback in a minicamp before. Right. 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 Yeah. All right. You're cheering Deshaun Watson. Okay, fine. Uh, I'm sending a cheers out to my son. Uh, and frankly, my mom and my sister. My, yeah. my son got on a plane with my mother and flew across the country. He's six years old nice. and he's out at Mario world. So by proxy, this is also a cheers to Mario because uh, the Mario movie is something we watch 277 times a day in my house. My mom and sister flew him out to go to Mario world at universal studios. Nice. And they've been sending pictures all day. He got to meet Mario. He got to like drive a Mario cart. He like it's a whole Mario World situation in his life, and I'm just cheersing him because nice. this may be the happiest thing that's ever happened to him. <laughs> how nice. many? How big is Mario World? Is it like Disneyland size? No, Universal Studios I think is even smaller than like Disneyland. It's not a huge place. The park. Oh, it's in Universal Studios. Yes. Ah, uh, because I was wondering and how many Mario's are in Mario. World. Mario Land is small. Tiny. Like it's just a part of Universal Studios, uh, but like it's also cool as hell. Like it looks really yeah. cool. Yeah, Bowser's Castle and Peach's Castle, and again, there's a Mario Kart ride, and Patty got to go be a part of all of it. So sweet. Uh, I'm cheers and Patty for going out and hanging out with Mario. So yeah, that's that. Okay, perfect. All right, all right, Great. boys. Listen, ten forty two. Smooth ending. <laughs> uh, it always is. Uh, after I have enough beers. <laughs> Here's how the ending of this. I'm going to give you full disclosure on the ending of the show every week. Every week, the ending of the show, we just kind of wrap it up. I'm sitting here ready to piss down my own leg. That, every, every that week, is true. Every Oops. single week, concerned. Like, totally needed to hear that for sure. You're, you're oh, going to be the, the twice a night kind of guy. So I'm just sitting here like sweating. I'm like, I got to pee, but we got to get through the podcast. 
Uh, th- it's and then when Chad and I don't have our tears, it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm here for another two minutes. <laughs> no, I want to yeah. hear this out. Uh, all right, boys, let's get out of here. Uh, we always got to do our thank yous. Uh, our humongous thank you goes out to, first of all, the OBR for hosting us, the Orange and Brown Report, the best place for you to get Browns coverage. And, um, y'all, you may want to stay what tuned. What the hell was that? What? what? It, was, it was a pen. Something just flicked across Joey's face. Oh. <laughs> it was a pen. It went, it went, God. Um, just, you may want to stay tuned to the OBR over the next, I don't know, few days. Uh, there's a lot of rumblings about a potential player. Uh, that the Browns are interested that may be interested in teaming up with a former quarterback of his. So yeah. stay I, tuned. I noticed you noticing me, and I just mm-hmm. wanted to put you on notice that I noticed you too. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of that. It's a lot yeah. of that. You may, you, I'm just saying you may want to stay tuned. You may want to stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomorrow night, OBR Weekly with Barry and Fred. So make sure you tune into that. We will be back next week. Uh, our second thank you, or I guess second and third thank you, goes out to our special guest, Dylan Tyrer from uh, the uh, the Blue Jackets, uh, hosting podcasts, doing radio shows, doing everything for them. Dylan Tyrer, man, awesome to talk to him about the jackets and everything they got going on. And, of course, Coach Darren Cheverini uh, and all the big stuff he's got going on in life, just catching up with him, talking about the 99 Browns and and, and coming back with that expansion team. Huge shout out to those guys. Thank you to both of them for coming on with us tonight. And of course, our biggest thank you goes out to you, whether you joined us live here tonight or whether you're going to listen or watch us later. We love you. We appreciate you. Uh, and, and your support means the world to us. So thank you very much for joining us. That's going to do it for episode 167 for Joey down there in Nashville, Tennessee at Garage Beers. Joe for Chad over on the east side of Cleveland at Garage Beers. Chad, I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers. Mike, go follow the show at the Garage Beers on all the socials. And until next week for episode 168, we'll see you later. Cheers, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.